Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This sermon is the first in our Lenten series for 2024, Why the Cross? Looking at the Atonement. Today our Senior Minister Chris Johnson is preaching on the cross as example. Our readings today are from the book of Philippians and the book of the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10. The first reading is Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 13 which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1179. Philippians 2 1 to 13. Therefore if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act, to order to fulfil his good purpose. A reading from Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1014. Mark 10, Verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, who want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. 
can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not me for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. These readings are the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone, and good to be with you in this season of Lent, and especially as we focus on the cross uh, and all it means to us leading up to Easter. The cross, of course, is at the heart of the Christian faith, yet it's an enigma. Some are repelled by it, while others are fascinated by it. It was a cruel means of execution. It's designed to be gruesome so that it might be a deterrent. It's meant to be repulsive, yet down through the centuries, it's fascinated, it's captivated people, it's transformed not only individuals, but whole societies. John Bowring in the 19th century wrote this hymn, In the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story, gathers round its head sublime. And so we're going to delve into the cross over these next five weeks of Lent. We're going to ask the question, why did Jesus have to die? Why the cross? And we're going to look at five reasons found in the Bible for his death. And these are what the theologians sometimes call theories of atonement. And they can be configured in different ways and inevitably, of course, they overlap. Uh, the way we've split them up, though, is up there on the screen. And this is the way we'll deal with them in this series. So the cross as example today. And then we're going to look at the cross as redemption, the cross as victory, the cross as substitutionary sacrifice, and the cross as reconciliation. But let me begin with a story about two men. They both decided to go on a diet. The first man was 170 kilos in weight, a huge man, quite obese. The second man was only 50 kilos, all skin and bones. So the first man was determined to lose weight quickly. So his diet was an orange for breakfast, a lettuce leaf for lunch, and a carrot in the evening for dinner. 
It was a brave diet uh, and his body groaned as his stomach contracted and his whole system had to adjust to the new food intake. The second gentleman, though, the one only 50 kilos, also believed in sacrificing. So he chose the same diet. An orange for breakfast, lettuce leaf for lunch and a carrot for dinner at night. So tell me, which man's sacrificing made the most sense? The answer's obvious, isn't it? Which one would we admire as doing the, the right thing, the best job? The answer is obvious, but I want you to think about why. Why? Why do we admire the first man and not the second? We're going to come back to that in a minute, but chew on that. Think about it. Yeah, chew on the carrot. <laughs> Perhaps more than the lettuce leaf. I want to come back to the cross. The cross, you see, is a sacrifice. In Christian thinking, it is Jesus giving up his life for others, giving up his life for ours. When we look at Jesus dying on the cross, we see a noble act of someone laying down their life in order to save others. And this is what we mean when we talk about the cross being an example. It's probably the simplest way to think about the cross. Jesus being a humble servant who went to the cross as an act of incredible love. And therefore, you, of course, we should be humble, loving, sacrificial servants as well and follow his example. What he did on the cross is an example to us of how we should live as Christians. Now, the idea of Jesus being an example is found in many parts of Scripture, but we've chosen two readings this morning to look at it, and that's Philippians 2 and Mark 10. Philippians 2 uh, gives us a wonderful picture of an ideal Christian community. Uh, if you've got it open there, it'd be helpful. Uh, in the Pew Bible, it's in, on page 1179, 1179. This ideal Christian community is one in which people are like-minded, have the same love, verse 2, where they do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, is there in verse 3. It's a community where in humility people value others above themselves, verse 3. And they look not only to their own interests, but to the interests of others, there in verse 4. Where does the motivation come to act like this, to build a community like this? It comes from having the mindset of Christ Jesus, who we're told in verse 7, made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, humbling himself and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now normally Paul gives his theology first and then he says, well, now live like this, works the ethics out afterwards, but... Here he spells out the ethical implications first and then gives the theology. Did you notice that? So in verse 3, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's the ethics. Why? Because we should have the mindset of Christ, verse 5, which is the humility of the cross in the rest of the passage. And that's the theology. And so because Christ is like that, we should live uh, appropriately. Christ is our example. Now, in a similar vein from our Gospel reading in Mark, and if you want to look that up, it's on page 1014, 1014 in the Pew Bibles. James and John want to sit at Jesus' right and left when he comes in his glory and his kingdom. 
And you see, they're looking for positions of status and authority. Jesus points out how the Gentile rulers lorded over those beneath them. Uh, but then he says in verse 43, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Taking up the servant role, of course, is a great act of humility. In Paul's words, it's about valuing others above yourself and looking to the interests of others. It's a very humble position to take. In Mark, what does Jesus say is the motivation for this lifestyle? Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Giving his life as a ransom, of course, is referring to the cross. Jesus gave up his life, and so we are to give up our lives also in service and sacrifice. So again, what we see here is Jesus on the cross uh, being our example. But now I want to dig it just a little deeper and ask the question, why is the cross such a good example? Such a good example. Because you know what? Many people don't think it is. Certainly in the ancient world, it wasn't seen as a good example. It was a symbol of shame. It marked you as a criminal, a traitor, someone to be stripped of all dignity and thrown out on the garbage tip of the city to die a slow, agonising death. You see, the cross is actually only a good example if it has a greater purpose, if it achieves something bigger than just what we see there with a man dying, if it achieves something eternal for us. It's only a good example if it's the means of our salvation. The New Testament says that the cross is an example because it brings atonement. It says the cross is the means by which God forgives our sins. Uh, that there is a transaction that actually takes place at the cross that brings forgiveness. And it's only if we recognize this that the cross can be an example. It's because of what it achieves that it means so much that it moves us, that's, that it motivates us to live differently. And so it's only if an act has a worthwhile purpose, you see, that it's a good example. And so I want you to think back to uh, the story I told about the two men dieting. Which one would you hold up as a good example to be admired? Well, obviously the first man, wouldn't you? The first one. Because, you see, there was a good purpose to his dieting. He was going to lose weight, improve his health. We don't admire the second man... Because at best it was just a waste of time and at worst he was going to do himself harm. It didn't have a good purpose. And so it's only when there's a good purpose that uh, an example uh, actually uh, becomes a good example that we want to follow. Jesus' death on the cross has an incredibly worthwhile purpose. Summed up in the themes that we're going to be pursuing over these next four weeks... Uh, the purpose was our redemption. It was to win victory over Satan and all the forces of evil. Uh, we're going to look at it being a substitutionary sacrifice for sin. Or another way of saying that is that he paid the penalty for sin, thus setting us free. And finally, we're going to be looking at it, how it reconciles, the cross reconciles us to our Heavenly Father. 
And it's because of all these great benefits that Jesus' death secures for us that we know it is a worthwhile sacrifice and therefore a great example. Now, there was a French theologian, Peter Abelard, in the 12th century who thought that the cross was only an example and nothing more. He didn't accept any of these other theories of atonement or understandings of what happened at the cross. He said, why should God need the cross to give us all that? If God is love, then surely he can forgive us without the need for a substitutionary atonement on the cross. He said, if God is love, the cross shows, God is love, the cross shows us love, therefore we're moved to love in return. And so his theory of atonement was simply the cross as an example without any of those other understandings. Example is all you need, is what he said. Now, Abelard was in dispute with another great theologian of the day, uh, Anselm of Canterbury. Anselm taught that Jesus' death was a sacrifice for sin. And in the end, the only means by which we could be forgiven. Anselm acknowledged that there is a great mystery about this. But he said the New Testament makes it clear that Jesus' death on the cross was necessary in order for us to be forgiven. And this is the only way God's judgment on us could be averted and our sins forgiven. Now, I think the real question in this dispute is, well, how can the cross be an example of love if it doesn't actually do something definitive to win our salvation? How can it be loving if it doesn't redeem, if it doesn't win victory over Satan and evil, if it doesn't reconcile us to God, then how can it show the love of God? If these things aren't true, then Jesus' death was just like any other death on a Roman cross. Any other person going to the gallows like many did in that day. There has to be a greater purpose of love in what Jesus did for it to be for us a good example. Think about this illustration. If you and a friend are walking along a jetty and your friend suddenly says to you, I want to show you how much I love you, and jumps off the jetty into the ocean and drowns. Would you think that is a great act of love or of folly? <laughs> if on the other hand, you fell into the water and your friend then dived in to save you and in the process drowned... Now that would be a great act of love, wouldn't it? A great something to admire that someone would be prepared to do that. And you see, it's only if the cross actually achieves something, actually saves us, that it's a great act of love. Otherwise, really, it's just like jumping off the jetty uh, for no real good purpose. It's not a good example. My friends, there are many today who would want to limit the, the atonement simply to an example and nothing more. The ideas of victory over Satan, substitutionary sacrifice and redemption do not sit comfortably with the modern mind and much liberal thinking today. But I would suggest to you that if what the New Testament teaches about these things isn't true, then it, the cross really can't be just a good example. If, on the other hand, what the New Testament teaches about the cross is true, that the cross has won us such a great salvation, then what Jesus did was truly loving and we should just drop everything and follow him. Now one person I know who has embraced the cross and all the New Testament teachers about it is Margie Granger. 
And it's because Margie believes that the cross is a substitutionary sacrifice, that it won our redemption, its victory, its reconciliation. It's because of these things that she serves in Pattaya. Uh, that's what motivates her to go out onto the streets of Pattaya and tell people about Jesus and all the benefits of the cross. And I hope you might have been praying for her this last week because you remember her report on the video last week and she said they're doing a special mission at the moment, aren't they? It's called Pattaya Praise, where they go out and they sing songs and do puppet shows and all sorts of wonderful things. Well, I had an email from uh, Margie this week uh, saying that they were planning to sing praises in the bars of Pattaya until 10pm. But the owners wanted them to play till midnight. You know what her comment was? No worries. Worship Jesus for an extra two hours. Yes, please. <laughs> you know, it's understanding the enormous achievement of the cross, which is the motivation for mission. And it's only by embracing all that the New Testament teaches about atonement and the cross that we are motivated to get out into the world and to bring the gospel, the good news. My prayer is that through Lent, as we delve deeper and deeper into these five understandings of the cross, that you will embrace every aspect of the atonement. The cross is redemption. The cross is victory. The cross is substitutionary sacrifice. And the cross as reconciliation. And that you'll be overwhelmed by the love of God and grow that servant heart that we read about in Mark 10 and the humility that we read about in Philippians 2 and engage in Christ's mission in the world. My friends, the cross is our model, our motivation and our great example. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.